Welcome to the podcast of Temple Baptist Theological Seminary of Bruton Parker College. This podcast is focused on encouraging and equipping pastors by way of ministry discussions, personal interviews, and theological explorations where we desire to merge ministry and theology. We're here today with Dr. Adam Coker, who is one of my colleagues at Temple Baptist Theological Seminary and Bruton Parker College. He teaches in the area of history, but has a lot of students who are involved in ministry as well as teaching some of our ministry courses. Very importantly, he has a pastor's heart, and not only has he served overseas, as you'll hear, but he is also currently serving as the bivocational pastor of one of our local churches. So I welcome you today. So thrilled that you could be with us. Would you first give us a quick overview of your journey, how you ended up here at Bruton Parker? Mm-hmm. Sure. So for 16 years, my family and I served as missionaries with the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention in Russia. And then after finishing that uh, term of service, as our children were getting older, we transitioned back to the States. I came on faculty here at Bruton Parker. This is my fourth year teaching. So we basically came directly from the mission field to uh, South Georgia, where I've been since 2019. Well, I'm certainly intrigued by the work that you did in Russia and would like to know more about the context of the ministry there. Give us a quick snapshot of the kinds of things that you typically do as a missionary there in your particular role. Well, a missionary's role really changes over the years depending on the stage of the ministry. When we first moved to the initial city that we were in, it was a lot focused on prayer walking and evangelism praying about where new churches needed to be, establishing relationships with local churches. And then it moved into volunteer coordination as teams came from America to help out with the work as we had partnerships with local churches to be able to do projects related to um, special needs ministry or music ministry or construction or VBS or whatever it might be, moving towards evangelism and, and church planting. But then as the years move on, and more of that ministry is carried on by nationals locally, you find more needs in leadership training and becoming part of of Bible teaching classes and that sort of thing. So the role really develops with the ministry uh, throughout the years. The last two years that we were there, I was on uh, a team of pastors. Previously, I would not be a pastor of a church, would not allow them to call me pastor because a missionary is supposed to be mobile. Uh, But during the last two years, there was a strong enough team of pastors that I felt that um, it would not be detrimental to the team if I were to need to leave, which we eventually did, of course. So it just, it changes throughout the years. Part of what makes missions so exciting is that it's really never the same from one year to the next. What is the status of the church in Russia? Well, we've been gone for a while, uh, but the church is when we left was was spiritually strong and had a growing uh, missions vision Uh, of course in recent years with all that's going on politically with the war and everything not really exactly sure how things are going there Um, I would imagine that the church is hurting in many ways as there are many uh, Ukrainians who live and serve as pastors in Russian churches so uh, I don't know but we pray for them and we believe that they are continuing to be faithful in spreading the gospel Amen. Of particular interest to me is, of course, the concept of seminary education, which is what we're doing here at Temple Baptist Theological Seminary. Do the Russian pastors have the opportunity to be involved in seminary education? And if they do, what does it look like? How could it be different? Yes. Well, when 
communism first fell, or even during the Soviet Union, they had correspondence Bible courses was about the closest thing that they could get, which served the local church very well. And there are more informal type um, platforms like that. There are also institutions, uh, seminaries, Bible colleges that are there in Russia. Some pastors will study online at places further away. So there's there's multiple options, and there are um, several quite educated uh, Russian Baptist pastors, and so they, they do have some of those opportunities, but uh, many would like more. Of course, now with the online world, many more than I would even know are studying somewhere, uh, especially if they're able to study in English or, or through translation. That's very exciting to think that now that we have this worldwide capacity for seminary education, that even Russian pastors, especially if they had some ability to speak English, may be able to be equipped at an academic level and certainly encouraged at a practically uh, practical ministry level. Well, obviously, a part of what I've seen you do and as we've conversed over these last few months is to get some pictures and glimpses of your current ministry at uh, your church. And I'm always wondering and thinking about the dynamic of moving from being a missionary with the International Mission Board to being a pastor of a small rural church. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it radically different? And if so, how? In some ways it's radically different, but in some way, other ways, my transition has been less difficult than other missionaries because we were always passionate about the local church while we were on the field. Amen. Um, there are some missionaries who are maybe have a little different focus, and they may not be as quick to work with the traditional pre-established churches that are already there. Uh, we always were very upfront about wanting to work with the churches that were already there. And so the local church has always just felt like home to us. When we move to a new area, the first thing we're looking for after figuring out where to get food and everything is where to go to church. Uh, and so in that sense, it was not as big a transition. It was a bigger transition in the sense that it's just a different context. Um, for, for many years, it was working with local pastors to convince them that missions is the thing to do. Uh, doing evangelism, going outside the four walls, uh, and in that sense, it was bigger. Um, but now, uh, having the the perspective of being within one local church, uh, this is different. Uh, so we're we're not uh, going into lots of different cities and states and countries as a church yet, uh, but still very much important because the the local church is where it's at. It's the the best thing going on the planet. Amen. I certainly agree with that. I'm so convinced that the local church is vital to the mission work that God has called us to in his, his kingdom. In fact, yesterday as I was preaching in one of our local churches, that was a part of my theme in that sermon was being what the, what the Lord has called us to be as the church. Mm-hmm. Were there things that you could immediately translate from your missionary role in terms of leadership into your role now as a church pastor here? Well, one of the neat things is that our congregation is older, and so uh, these are what we on the field called legacy churches. Uh, this is not the, the big church with a smoke machine and lots of real contemporary music and that sort of thing. Uh, these were the churches that have for years given to the programs that supported us on the field. So the very first connecting point was to talk to the ladies from WMU or the men from Brotherhood, those who have been giving to Lottie Moon and to the cooperative program uh, to be a living example of that. And so my first uh, 
message as their pastor was to tell them thank you. You didn't know us, but you've been supporting us for 16 years. Uh, and so that was exciting to be able to, to be a part of that. They've been praying for us for 16 years, didn't even know us, supporting us for 16 years. And so to serve them now is a, is a joy. Your church is like 85 plus percent of the churches in our convention. Sounds about right. Yes. Smaller, under 200. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of rural churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, some churches, of course, heavily uh, needing bivocational pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to present some unique challenges. Uh, I've been on the other end of that equation. I've served as a full-time pastor mm-hmm. for 31 years. Uh, previous to that, I did actually do some bivocational work. But most of my ministry was full-time senior pastor, leading church, preaching, and all that. What do you think is so unique about who we are as a congregation of small, or excuse me, a convention of small churches, and what unique challenges does that bring to us? I think it's really a new day where bivocational pastoring is going to be the rule rather than the exception. I agree with you there. Uh, because previously, even a church about our size, they would want a full-time pastor and would be able to find a full-time pastor. Um, that's not so much the case anymore, it doesn't seem. And so that, that creates some, some unique challenges, but also it's exciting. Uh, this is an opportunity for me to get to live what I've been teaching on the mission field all these years. Russian young men who are going to be a pastor, who maybe were thinking about the 90s when there was a lot more foreign sponsorship right after the fall of communism, wondering do you go the route of finding a sponsor in America, or do you deal with the resources that you have locally, I was always a proponent for the church being self-supporting. And often that meant that some of these men needed to work as they did and serve their church. And so I've always supported that, uh, but now I get to live it. I get to make tents along with Paul uh, and um, preach the gospel because I love doing that. Uh, It's not my profession. I get to tell the people this is not my profession. It's a calling. I have a job, which I love. Uh, but but this is a calling, loving the local church right now uh, as pastor, um, but uh, in the church because I'm a Christian, and so um, it's it's in, it presents presents challenges, but it's it's exciting to be able to practice what I've already been preaching. <laughs> I imagine that a significant number of pastors and church leaders who will be listening to this podcast will say, "I'm right there with you." I'm in a church of 100, I'm in a church of 125, 150, 75, 40, whatever it might be. And there are unique challenges. And I'd like to know, what is one of the first things you did when you got there? You know, what, when you're thinking about launching your new ministry in this bivocational status church, what's the first thing you do? Well, it's what Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Uh, that's first and last. If I don't know anything else... Uh, And coming into a new church, um, you don't know the church culture, you don't know the history, you don't know what uh, will be well-received, what you're sort of able to do, uh, but you do know you get to preach. And so that's kind of where things start with me. Preach the word, love the people, uh, and that's that's been kind of the beginning, the beginning of it. And so um, the first step for me was to pray about the church becoming more and more spiritually healthy. Uh, and to, to begin with very broad goals rather than a new program. 
um, because the new program would be untenable, even though some of these churches that once were larger than they are are used to programs, uh, and that's what they, they remember. Um, but broad principles of what the Lord wants us to be about are more important, and then let's see what God has equipped us with to be able to move towards that. I think you've been very clear about a couple of those initial statements. Preach the word, love the church. That's true whether it's a church of 50 or 500. Amen. Those are so fundamental to what we do as pastors. I want to pick up on something else you just said that I think is critically important that even for churches much, much larger, our temptation is to be so programmatic about what we do, thinking that a program solves everything. Right. But the reality is it does not. Mm-hmm. And your approach to think beyond the concept of just doing a new program, I think is vitally important for a lot of churches, large, small, whatever it might be. Excellent. That's a really positive thought. Thank you. What leadership skills have you learned since you've been there? You've been serving now for what, three years? Two three years. Three years. Three years. Yeah. What, what, did, what have you learned in leadership? Well, it's hard to see yourself on the side. I, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe some time management skills, um, because I've always loved preaching. This is the first time in my ministry that I've been doing it every week. I preached a lot in Russian uh, while I was in Russia, but it was about once a month that I would preach, and it was a real labor of love to practice, to uh, study, to prepare, to preach in a second language, but to make the time to study for doing it every week uh, was a, a time management juggling that I, that I needed to learn. But I think in terms of leadership, and I don't consider myself a great leader by any stretch, there are people who know a lot more about it and do it a lot more naturally, but with the time constraints and being bivocational, a lot of it is trusting the people to do ministry, uh, allowing, realizing that it's not me and my team, the church, it's all of us, the church, and we're in it together. Uh, and so um, that's, I guess, been part of what I've learned. In one of our first conversations about your church, I was intrigued by what you just explained, that you were working hard to encourage the people to take on the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think you were even somewhat um, strong in saying that you told them up front there's certain things you just will not be able to do, but you need them and trust them to do those things. Mm-hmm. Have they done so? They have. They have. And one of the things that I was very forthright about, even before becoming the pastor when they were just considering me, was that I had a strong expectation specifically that the men of the church would step up. Uh, and of course, that's not to say that we don't have blessed sisters in the church that serve so faithfully. And uh, But I found that if, if the men of the church will step forward to be the fathers, be the men, be the leaders in the church, uh, that things become much more healthy. Uh, and so just challenging them to do that, and so many of them were already, um, but that's that's kind of my go-to position is where are the men that aren't serving uh, and let's get them active and it seems like things fall into place better once that starts happening and you recently shared with me that y'all have begun an outreach program mm-hmm. but if I remember correctly you actually said to them uh, this is something that you need to talking back to your people they need to be responsible to implement and you've been working through a training process with them multiple weeks uh, tell us a little bit about how that developed and where that seems to be going with the outreach program. 
Right. So the there were five principles at the beginning of my tenure there that I said we needed to be about. And it's basically the five functions of the church that we see in Acts chapter 2. And one of them is evangelism and outreach. But that was just generally. Uh, but the outreach program per se was not even my idea. Uh, one of the deacons came forward and said, uh, Pastor, I have this passion. I would love to see the gospel shared in all the homes, as many as we can get into in our city. Uh, what would you think about that? And I basically said, great, you're in charge, uh, and supported him. And, and I'm a, I can be a great number two man, a cheerleader. And this is something that uh, one particular Russian young man, very dynamic young pastor, taught me was the ability to bless people. When someone has a passion for ministry and they're biblically qualified for whatever it is, uh, to bless them and let them go without having to micromanage it. And so uh, I would love to take credit for the idea of the outreach ministry. It wasn't my idea. The broad principle, I taught the biblical principle, which sure. is what we're supposed to do. But the actual program, uh, this man had some previous experience going back to when door-to-door uh, -door evangelism was really big within our convention. He wanted to do that again. Uh, and so I became his cheerleader, and my family was there with him, and we've been meeting uh, once a week to prepare. Uh, we, we've just got all the materials together. We're getting ready to go door to door. It hasn't, hasn't launched yet, but we've been memorizing Bible verses uh, and practicing witnessing to one another and having, for our size church, a large portion of the church participating in that. And I think it's because I wasn't leading it because a church is perfectly willing to just let the pastor do it, whatever it is. But if a layman will, will lead the charge, then others, others will follow, and the pastor can be the very best cheerleader. Because if a pastor comes out with an idea to do it, he may or may not find a cheerleader that will support in that way. Um, but all of us who are in the ministry know the kind of support we wish we would have gotten when we had a big idea we were excited about. And so if we can give that to others, then, then that's a, a gift that I think will reap dividends. I love the process you went through in terms of encouraging this individual, being the cheerleader, uh, but it also sounds as though you've really been intentional about how this is rolling out so that you didn't just turn everybody loose on a Sunday afternoon and said, go. Mm -hmm. You've actually spent a number of weeks kind of preparing, developing materials, having witness experiences, training mm -hmm. with each other. Right, right. What a beneficial way to equip your people, and that's a lesson in and of itself. Amen, amen. Well, I am greatly appreciative of working with you here at Bruton Parker College and Temple Baptist Theological Seminary and so appreciative of your work there at your church and thankful the Lord has called you to this area, to this college, and certainly to that church. So we'll end it there. Thank you, Adam. It's been great to have you with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Temple Baptist Theological Seminary is a division of Bruton Parker College, which is an institution of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Temple Baptist Theological Seminary affirms the inerrancy of Scripture and teaches within the framework of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. For more information concerning Temple Baptist Theological Seminary and Bruton Parker College, go to www.bpc.edu.